And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 43. This is the Next Generation episode number 43. I'm Chris Honeywell, and once again I'm here with Scott Gardner. Hello. And we are... We are currently recovering from the recording <laughs> session for the the original series Star Trek, where we had the legendary, the incorrigible Randy Gardner. Oh the, my God! The, the finally nailed down Scott's uncle, who's had all those adventures that you've been hearing about, and and uh, let me tell you, he was a live one. <laughs> you know, Probably all my our life, best guest ever. <laughs> All my life, I have heard that expression, you know, to bust a gut, and I, I now see where that could actually happen. I laugh myself I was sick. Taking my glasses off and and just yeah, every every ten seconds of just rubbing my rubbing the tears away from my eyes. It was great. <laughs> I I mean, it's been it's been over twenty years since I've talked to Randy. You know, has it really? Yeah. I haven't seen him since I've been to Rochester. I don't think since I went to college. Wow. So it's been Holy way. Cow. It's been closer to thirty years, really. Yeah, I, well, still I guess that is him, entirely but... possible because at at the one point, you know, when when we started this show, you know, we had spoken over the years, but we hadn't actually seen each other face to face for it was it was right around twenty years. Mm -hmm. It was well, and I think we figured it was what about seventeen. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is with you and Randy. It is entirely possible mm -hmm. that it's well over twenty. Wow, that's crazy. 
That is crazy. And he was always kind of quiet in high school, except when we were hanging out. So I wondered how he would be on the, and you know, and, and people get older and mature, you know, I theoretically. <laughs> they do? <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and <laughs> happily it was not the people? case. <laughs> Even if you only listen to our Next Generation show, I would highly recommend if you've listened to any of our two, tr- the, the two True Freaks storytellers with Eli Nutter or with um, Pete Hesh or our stories about Randy and, and watching Star Trek episodes with him and ho- things we used to do in Halloween, you finally get to have the real person and he was in full force. <laughs> yep. He pretty much lived up to uh, our, our stories, so that's very gratifying. <laughs> and it was hilarious. Uh, well, what the, the best part for me was that he just reinforced the stories that we've been telling mm-hmm. that we have had several people come forward to be like, all right, you can tell me the truth. That's all made up bullshit, right? And it's like, no, no, it's not, dude. And then, you know, here he is to, to just. Hey, remember you know, the time we did this? Yes, we do, Randy. And now oh, finally we have you stating that. But, you know, I mean, it could all be an elaborate ruse. He could be somebody we put up to it and stuff but you know come on you know scott and i we're too lazy to do that you know (laughs) we're too lazy and sloppy to actually like set all that stuff up real good you know it's it's why invent the stories when you got the low-hanging fruit right there you know to i i can barely read my own notes you know let alone (laughs) writing a script for someone else to go off of exactly Well, well, it was great to hear his kids actually using Pete Hesh phrases and stuff in the background. <laughs> little girl, so I'm assuming sweet, innocent little girls, you know. Yeah, I was just going to say great as in, like, deeply disturbing, yes. <laughs> uh, well, that's the funny – see, I get – when we talk to him – and you can hear his kids coming in and saying, you know, Daddy, I love you and all the things that we got to hear – that is giving me a taste of of what it must have been like for you, uh-huh. you know, to meet back up with me and I've got kids. Because everybody that that knew me back then that sees me now, they're like, dude, I can't believe. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I can't believe you found <laughs> a woman that would make kids with you. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, I didn't know they made they still made like saints. You know? <laughs> Either that or you were like hanging around, you know, homes for the blind and deaf. <laughs> and now I, you know, I, I definitely got a taste of that with Randy because I mean, I, no, I've, no, mm-hmm. I, I've seen him in action as a father, but, uh, but still, there's a, there's a healthy portion of me that, uh, that looks at him and go, goes, wow, dude, you, you slid under the father radar that they let you actually have children, you know. Well, on, on the serious like, note, you know how people are always like, you know, the whole, you know, you always become your parents and and all that with both you and randy you didn't <laughs> you know what i mean right yeah right. you, you, you got like hearing the tone of voice that you take with your kids and that randy was taking with your kids it's the exact opposite <laughs> of when you it guys takes a lot of up. it takes a lot of energy to be that pissed off all the time right. i just don't have it you know <laughs> <laughs> you joke, but you're generally you you're genuinely very friendly with your kids. You you generally really like your kids and like mm-hmm. hang out hang out with them, you know. And 
I can identify well with the 12 year old mind. That's yes, true. that's true. That might have a lot to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So because that one is uh, is likely to be a, uh, a monster pose, you know, in post with the editing and everything else, uh, we're, we're going to we're going to try to keep, keep this, this one in control. We'll see. Yeah, what we we're can gonna... do. Yeah, keep this one to a to a more even keel. So we've got two uh, two episodes to look at this time around for uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. We're back on format. We are uh, about what about midway or so, I think, in the second season. Yeah, I think this there. is like ten and eleven episodes, ten okay. and eleven. So yeah, that's right, about halfway, right? I think so. I think so. I mean, I haven't counted them, but I think we're about midway. And uh, you can definitely feel the tone of the show changing, and I like that. So our first episode we're going to cover is called the dolphin next time on star trek the next generation whether or not i see wesley is for me to decide it is not a mysterious princess is love struck with wesley leave her alone but a powerful guardian will kill to protect her secrets what's going on just go please has wes uncovered a hidden terror that could endanger the enterprise find out on star trek the next generation And uh, I was deeply disappointed in this episode because I kept waiting for Flipper to show up, and it, it never does. I'm like, well, what the hell? There's not even any water in Do this episode. Do they even say the word dolphin? In um, I don't, I no, I don't recall hearing them say. I'm yeah. wondering if the dolphin is the person's title or if that's the kind of creature that they are I or think it's supposed to refer to her status. I think dolphin is supposed to be. Like princess or dolphin of the Temple of Ar or, or yeah. Viceroy or some shit. I'm not sure. But anyway, that's the name of this one, the Dauphin. Uh first aired the week of February twentieth, nineteen eighty-nine. And the synopsis here from the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion says a diplomatic mission provides the setting for Wesley's first romance when the ship must ferry home a princess. Oh, it does say princess and her overprotective guardian. As Troy worries that the two passengers are not what they seem, Wesley seeks advice on how to handle his emotions. Meanwhile, the princess's guardian, Anya, grows irrational at any hint of danger to Celia. When Anya transforms herself into a dangerous, uh, dangerously violent creature to challenge Worf, Dr. Pulaski realizes that Celia's people are alasomorphs, or shape-changers. To avoid a fight, Picard orders Wesley to stay away. No, he doesn't. He asks him. He doesn't order him to stay away from Celia, but Wesley cannot. She comes to him, by the way. And their uh, meetings continue until Anya discovers them. When Celia matches Anya's transformation with one of her own, Wesley is stunned and he deserts her. And I don't then, like this. And then synopsis. he brushes his teeth about 50,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> Wes at first rebuffs Celia's apologies for having deceived him, but he finally overcomes his pride and his prejudice and provide, uh, and brings her a peace offering, another bowl of chocolate mousse they once enjoyed together. I, I don't, man, I wish I'd read this ahead of time because I'd just written my own. I don't like that. <laughs> I really don't like that one at all. Um, 
I'm going to let you go first on your notes, but before before you do, I just I got to get it out of my system. Dude, I like this episode. I like this episode a whole lot, but I want to know what you think of it. Now, I'm assuming that you're a big fan of the story and script and acting, and this is what, what it is that you really like about it. I have one note. I just watched these today, so I did, when I say I had one note, I have lots of stuff in my head to talk about with this. But the only thing that like it led me to write down is dried up old cock blocker is cheesier than the salt vampire. <laughs> she was getting on my nerves, man. I, I, you know, okay, you just the sort of uh, yeah, just she was such such a, poor Wesley. We, although it's payback with Wesley time because. He ruined everybody else's good time on the planet of the 80s porn stars. Now it's his his turn to get cock-blocked and, and frustrated, you know, through a whole episode. But that lady just, I, she was just obnoxious. She's kind of classic in these next-generation obnoxious aliens, mm-hmm. you know, presumptuous aliens, you know, that are just, like, aggressively hostile. And, you know, it's just like, what you've got someone with the flu kill them you won't kill them i'll kill them for you and you know every time wesley gets a chance to even talk to her this woman like literally will like shove herself in between and be just like let's go it's very very annoying may i have permission to blow your mind sir okay we'll see I uh I I did some I was very curious about her. I've always kind of liked her character, I got to be honest. And so I did a little bit of research just to see what else she might have been in, you know, where where she, you know, had come from or where she went after this. And I always um when I can remember to do it, I always like to look and see if these characters ever popped up anywhere else in Trek fiction, you know, whether it's the comics or the novels or whatever. And there wasn't a whole lot about her or her character. But uh, something I found really interesting um, is that it says here, this was off, I'm pretty sure I got this off of Memory Alpha. It says that uh, she's a well-known voice actress on a number of Disney animated movies, including The Little Mermaid and Hercules. But the damn site didn't tell what characters she voiced, and that really irritated me. It just says she's a voice actress in those movies, but it didn't say who she was. But it does list another voice, and this is the part that absolutely blew me away. According to this, she was the voice of Gozer in Ghostbusters. Are you a god? No. Then... I think that's cool. Oh, that makes sense. It does. I she can kind of hear looks that. like Gozer. <laughs> Are you a god? And see, I can totally hear her delivering that line. Now that I read that, I can hear her as that voice, you know, with a little bit of whatever they did, reverb or whatever. You know? stuff on it, yeah. Yeah. Now, as, as an actress... Um, two movies that she's listed as uh, as appearing in, um, I, again, kind of blew me away a little bit. And I can't wait to try to spot her in one of these. Um, one of them is Corvette Summer, which we've talked about several times. It was a 78 movie 
was that was Mark Hamill's very next movie right after Star Wars was actually being made, you know, kind of concurrent with Star Wars. And uh, I recently obtained a copy of that from my buddy Tor. I haven't had a chance to sit and rewatch it, but I plan to very, very soon. And now I'm going to have to keep an eye out for her in the movie and see if I can spot her. Um, but also another movie you and I were just talking about in our 1982 episode, which was uh, Halloween three season of the witch. And again, I, I have no idea what character she Say plays. in that. But... Maybe she's saying um... that song. <laughs> hey, you know, I something think she I... played one of I think she played one of the um, jack-o'-lanterns in that. that <laughs> she is a bug eyed alien. Yes. That's for sure. A bug eyed monster. Like a pug dog sort of. Yeah. She, well, she looks like that headdress is too tight and her eyes are bugging out is what it she looks, looks like. like. Well, her head looks like a mad ball. <laughs> it does. Somebody is it's squeezing. So, uh, oh, <laughs> that's so mean, but so so true. And sadly, she's dead now, of which course. I don't know why I keep pointing that out, but I can't help but notice these things when they when they come up. Um, what was I just going to? Oh, Something I got kind of sidetracked because <laughs> our our classic episode was nothing but sidetracks. But by the time I, I mean, I haven't I guess I can not be lazy. Let's let's look at the calendar here. I want to I want to make sure that I'm, I'm giving giving accurate you folks the, the, yeah, accurate information as it comes to us. So let's see here. OK, so this episode should come out Monday, the 13th of August. So by the time you're hearing this episode, if I remember my history correctly, we will have uh, will be several days past the fourth anniversary of Two True Freaks. Does that not blow your mind? Wow, four years, dude! Holy cow! And I was also noticing that we are fast creeping up on episode 300. I don't have any idea what we're planning to do for that. I know that we swore off another monster show after 200, but you I'm know, I'm saying 500 it would be the would be the next like big milestone, wouldn't it? And it would give us still chance. I'm still recovering from 200. Damn yeah, it! Yeah, no kidding. I I still don't think we've ever really done another episode quite like that since 200 because man that was just a killer but uh all right well i've got you said you don't just had the one note yeah really that was the only thing that i like wrote down that oh, it okay. was like this is what i want i guess i was feeling that's what i wanted to make sure that i said you know i mean um really there's not uh, like i like the fact that they leave a lot of stuff untold or, or you don't get all the details of what she's go. You know, I thought it was going to turn out. Maybe she was going to get sacrificed or something or what, what the <laughs> deal, you know, cause it was kind of, they were like kind of you know morbid about like, well, you know, once you take this position, you're not going to, you know, but that definitely wasn't because she kept talking about the future. But they really didn't say what she was going there to do, really. They said she was going there to broker peace, but that's about it. Right, Was she going to yeah. marry so – did she have to marry somebody? They could have very easily been like, you know, she's going to go marry somebody and and unite the two sides or something like that, thus setting up like Wesley being the last fling or, or – Right. Or something like that. But they didn't, to their credit. They left it just sort of open, like in reality. Nobody really... It's it's weird how little 
Starfleet knows like they're transporting these people on this important mis- mission but they really don't know what what um type of you know what what species they are whereas why not why don't they know why is that a secret why would they not you know it's not like they would be like no we don't want that species on board the enterprise we've already been established that they're they're not like that so I always wondered why that was a mystery, you know, because it's right. It's, the, the Starfleet is obviously like doesn't need everybody to look like humans, although right. I liked her better. I uh, she um, she's a little hottie, the 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 princess, oh, yes. and yeah. her handmaiden wasn't too bad either. Her handmaiden had a night nice, for for yeah. as cheesy as the costumes in the original series Star Trek. I liked the, the her handmaidens little costume with all the little yeah. slits in it very nice she reminded me of uh of um oh god my what is wrong with me lately i can't remember names uh padme you know um mm-hmm. um help me out she just won an oscar what the hell is her name natalie portman natalie portman thank you she kind of reminded me a little yes. bit of natalie portman yeah she really did now if i was reading the notes correctly on on some site i was looking at today she actually was runner-up for the role of salia so if that really cute girl hadn't been salia then the handmaiden in that one that one scene she would have been salia and i, I would have been good with her too she yeah she was very attractive she was cute the, the girl cute. who got to play salia had a very disarming smile and mm-hmm. you, you could tell they used it a lot. Every time she'd see Wesley, she'd break into that smile, and it and yeah, it just made you think, man. If I was a teenager, I'd be just like, duh. She's she's gorgeous. God she's duh. absolutely. Yeah. Well, she uh, you know, she was really one. You know, as soon as the episode was over, I went straight to the computer trying to find out more about both the, that actress and that character, because it occurred to me that uh, you know, spoiler alert, but. I believe the last time we see Wesley in this series proper, you know, before he has a couple of cameos in the movies, he goes off with the traveler to like wander dimensions and shit. And so he definitely has the ability to drop in on Salia at some point. And I wondered if maybe there was a story out there, you know, in, in one of the books or one of the comics or something where maybe in that had happened. Space I couldn't house. Yeah. Well, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything, but, uh, I think that would you know it'd be an interesting story to to see because I can't remember does he ever get another serious girlfriend I, I, I really know. I just uh, hear, dear, I, well, yeah I think he does actually dear space just, penthouse my mother was a doctor on a Starfleet <laughs> ship that it will remain anonymous <laughs> so I spent a lot of time there in my younger years <laughs> um first and foremost note what do you know a Wesley episode that I actually like. And that's underestimating the episode. I actually, like I said, really, really like this episode. I thought you were be- um, I thought you were doing some sort of weird sarcastic thing. Or you were no. there was gonna be some twist on this. Cause I remember last night, like late night, you and, and Paul Spataro and um Michael Bailey were getting ready to record a show and and I was just sort of chatting in and you know, we were mentioning that we were doing these two episodes today and Paul was as soon as the dolphin came up. He's like, "Ooh, that's a bad one." And, and yeah, you and I, I were about, both like, "I'm not really sure. I remember either of those." So, the dolphin I remembered. I, this has always been one of my favorites. Um, uh, the interesting. Contagion, 
Yeah, Contagion I couldn't remember shit about. I Once it started, I was a little more like, oh, okay, I kind of sort of remember this one a little bit, but I, I, that one is, well, I'll talk more about it when we get to it. I didn't remember that... either of them. I oh, may never okay. have seen either of these ones. I, I meant to ask you if you had actually ever seen these I may before. not have. Hmm. Um... I love in the part. I think it's the part where uh, where Wesley tell eventually just tells Wes. Uh, yeah, Wesley. Where Jordy eventually tells Wesley, "Hey, just come on down. You know, you're kind of useless to me today." <laughs> yeah, that's good judgment. I, I, <laughs> I think it's that part um, where we see Wesley do a Kirk slide down the ladder. I don't know if it's an intentional callback to Star Trek II, but I still like it regardless because that's exactly what Kirk does. Yeah, his balls are starting to drop, so he's starting to do <laughs> Kirk stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't help but laugh at the irony of Jordy of Wesley asking Jordy for advice on women. You're gonna go and ask advice from the one dude who cannot get laid on the Enterprise. From reading Rainbow, exactly. Yeah. Um, the Wharf and uh, and Data scenes are absolutely hysterical, and this Wharf's really good in this episode. Riker's really good too, but uh, Wharf kind of steals the show for me in this one. I, I thought uh, the scene with Riker and and Whoopi Goldberg was was golden, where he was mm -hmm. just like, "I'm gonna practice my smooth Riker repartee," <laughs> and she was right on it, and they were both just like, yep. "Hey, we're get." They started getting into it, you know. And she, didn't she say, "Shut up, Wesley," at some point, or just yeah, like, "Shut up, kid." Yeah. Yep. Yep, tell me more about my eyes. I love that. That's great. Th I mean, this episode has a lot of little moments in it like that, but they all work. You know, this is this is not one of those episodes where, you know, one out of three of the of the corny moments, you know, works and the rest of them are groaners. I, I think this episode works pretty much top to bottom. I really enjoy it. Um, Scotty, I, am, I enjoyed it. I'm just very curious if this is like one of your favorites. I'm very interested because I thought it was a good episode, but it wasn't like really dramatically awesome so i'm very interested to see what it was that 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 you liked about it so much it's not you know that's the thing is it doesn't have to be a big battle it doesn't have to be a lot of action or shoot 'em ups it doesn't even have to be necessarily a a, a deeper involving story this one i like on a uh on a purely emotional level, on a, on a on a quiet level, it's a nice, quiet little and episode. It's a Wesley story too, and it's, it's Wesley. So bizarre, yeah, because finally they gave him something interesting to do, and they finally make a real character out of him. He's not just a a, a caricature. He's not just the nerdy brainy kid saving the ship and being freaking annoying like he is in all those first season episodes he's actually a real flesh and blood character and, and notice for, maybe for the first time and i like that he uses a good judgment where he doesn't go to troy for advice either <laughs> she's kind of useless once again in this episode really? kind of out the obvious imagine that yeah um scotty wanted me to point out that in the scene um in sick bay where uh where what's her face turns into the big monster and wants Pulaski to kill the patient that the security guard standing behind Worf and I think to his left if I'm not mistaken he says he looks like the guy that sings the what's what is love video <laughs> I don't know what that guy's name is so I'm taking his his word for it but he I, I <laughs> promised him I would mention that um now speaking of the monsters I I think they actually look pretty good they're not great <laughs> But they, they look pretty... I like. They remind me of the... Dancing Bear from the Captain Kangaroo show. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one... 
I think it's the first monster she turns into, I think. But one of the monsters she turns into, I wish... Now, it, granted, it probably would have looked really super cheesy by 80s special effects standards. Yeah. But if they could have figured out a way to add more arms and make it a little more believable, she actually reminded me a lot of, uh, of kind of a cross between, like the fly like the like the jeff goldblum version of the fly and like uh i can't remember the character's name in the in the spider-man comics when uh i can't remember if it was spider-man himself or if it was one of like the clones or something but one of them mutated into an actual like man-sized <laughs> spider because uh -huh. i thought she looked very spider-like it's just that she still had just two arms and two legs if she had more limbs Right. She really would have resembled a spider. You know what I mean? I, th I thought that that outfit I thought was kind of cool. The other ones, yeah, they're a little too teddy bear, you know, like space teddy bear like or something. But and then there was the one that was like a little like cross between an Ewok and and like a troll or or like yes. that evil leprechaun movie or something. You know? Uh, why does everybody in every single episode when we when we encounter or they encounter? shapeshifters they're always surprised by this come on do these assholes not ever read a history book in kirk's time they encountered several yeah. shapeshifters in the movies they encountered shapeshifters in next gen that's, they encountered that's why shapeshifters. i'm like why is it this big secret and and scandal right. and stuff like that you know i understand maybe it might be scandalous to have shapeshifters because they could easily take over the ship and stuff like that but right. there's got to be ways of tagging them or taking precautions you know or whatever but but they it's just every single time either kirk or picard's people encounter shapeshifters every time there's a bunch of dialogue about it going oh gee we thought you were mythical or we you know wow shapeshifters really do exist i'm thinking yeah ask you just met one six episodes ago you know did you forget so that that always drives me a little bit crazy um Wesley's Remember all right. those years ago when Kirk had sex with one? <laughs> right. <laughs> Wesley's right, dude. She is perfect. Um, she she reminds me an awful lot of Liv Tyler. Maybe that's why I, I really got the hots for her. But she's just she's quiet and uh, quiet, like quietly beautiful. You know what I mean? She's she's really pretty and beautiful in a in a very like simple way it doesn't look like she's overly made up yeah very much so very much so well you you had mentioned uh, a girl that we had known growing up who was you know, a girl who was pretty much like the girl next door girl to next you. door yeah yep they, they look very does, similar she yeah she does totally remind me of her once once you mentioned that girl i was like yeah okay that that's i get it now that's the appeal mm -hmm. wouldn't you think that the transporter would detect a, a shapeshifter or or if somebody was a, a you know if they were actually of a species different from what they were it was basically pure energy or, yeah right and you the, would think and then they're like i don't want you to see me in my pure energy form really it's a lot nicer than your fucking salt vampire <laughs> teddy bear form <laughs> if i had to choose which one i had to make out with it well well it would definitely be the the human female form but you know default second choice would be pure energy now after i had watched this today i was reading something somewhere that said that if you watch carefully there's a shot in wesley wesley's quarters of an old style like classic series uh phaser and communicator somewhere in wesley's quarters i totally missed that 
but I did get a real kick out of there's that one scene where he's sitting in his quarters. And I don't know who the hell he's supposed to be playing, but it looks like he's playing a game of space battleship. Did you see that part? No. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The little pieces look like salt shakers or something. I yeah, it looked like some sort of chess combined with battleship game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Battle chess. Um, I love the part where uh, where Data rescues Jordy from being zapped at the console, and then he like flings him. Ha- Wait, that's the next episode, isn't it? That's that's Contagion. Never mind. That's all my notes for this one. <laughs> I, uh, I really like this episode. I I really do. I I, I can't quite explain why i get such a kick out i mean yes there's the obvious thing that the girl's you know really pretty and very likable and very you know just sweet and innocent kind of thing but uh i don't know there's something about just i think it's a really well acted episode um it captures the whole teen romance thing without overdoing it without it being too melodramatic or anything they just have a nice little you know it's not it's not really that scandalous or anything it's just a nice little little relationship mm-hmm. where Wesley Definitely. shows her the universe <laughs> I like that yeah good special effects in that part too I thought yeah better it's than really the, nice. the computer morphing from from human to to uh, Yogi the bear oh <laughs> uh, let's see so the next episode what happened to my I had this bookmarked, and something happened to my bookmark. All right, here we, here we go. Contagion. Did you have anything else on uh, on the Dauphin? No. Next time on Star Trek, the next generation. Destroy that probe! An alien force is programming the Enterprise for self-destruction. We're sitting on a bomb that go off any second. Leaving the ship defenseless against an enemy attack. They're preparing to fire photon torpedoes. Sir, the shields aren't responding. Now, the crew faces a countdown to disaster on Star Trek The Next Generation. All right, so... Davin. So, Contagion aired the week of March 20th, 1989, and... uh, Synopsis here says, crossing the neutral zone to answer an SOS from the USS Yamato. And every time I hear that, I think Yamato wears combat boots. Yeah, yo, Yamato. (laughs) Yamato's so fat. Yeah. The Enterprise arrives. (laughs) The Enterprise arrives in time to see widespread computer malfunctions destroy its sister ship. When log tapes from the Yamato reveal that its captain had tracked the mythical planet Iconia to this location... Magrathia. Yeah, pretty much. Picard has his ship retrace the Yamato's course. Uh, Discovering the secrets of the uh, extinct Iconian civilization would be worth risking an encounter with the Romulans. But after the same computer malfunctions begin to plague the Enterprise, LaForge realizes that the Iconium probe's energy burst inf- uh, infected the Yamato with a computer virus that rewrote the ship's uh, control software. All right, I'm going to stop right there for a moment to point out the fact that that's my biggest bitch with this episode is that the, the words computer virus are never used in it. Yeah, this was that- obviously written at a point when computer viruses were more of a thing. Right. 
Um, by downloading the Yamato's logs, the Enterprise has now become infected as well. Uh, see, I don't think they realize that. That's another issue with the thing, but I, I'll, I'll get to all that in a moment. A desperate Picard beam, uh, beams down with Worf and Data to a control tower on the long-dead Iconia, where they discover a time gateway. Their data becomes infected with the Iconian virus as well. Meanwhile, the crew is forced to raise shields and strand the away team when a Romulan ship suddenly attacks the Enterprise. No, they don't! But Riker soon uh, learns the enemy vessel is also crippled by the virus. Picard decides to destroy the control tower and the remaining Iconium probes, but first returns Data and Worf to the Enterprise through the time gateway. Once Data arrives back on, flip the page, board ship, his self-correcting function eradicates the Iconian virus in his system. Yeah, just out of the friggin' blue. Uh, that reminds LaForge that his ship's computers have the same capability. The Enterprise regains transporter capability in time to rescue Picard from the planet below. No, no he doesn't. No, wrong. Wrong. No, wrong. he doesn't. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> You are so wrong. You're lying, <laughs> lying, liars. And the Romulans, of course, offer no thanks for the virus cure that saves them as well. What a boring ass and inaccurate. Yes. You know, I'm just going to have to start writing these damn things myself because hey, I just haven't been happy with them for several episodes. Now. I don't think it's right to call those time portals. They might I, they seem to be real. They seem to be a, to a different place, not to a different time. Right. They're, they're thinking of. um what was it? All of our yesterdays or whatever. Right. Yeah. You know, with with Mister Atos. Yeah. You know, that's what they're thinking of. Different time periods. This was in. This seemed to be just in. For some reason, whatever's going on around. You know, it's like oh, there's two ships in or- orbit, so we'll uh, send you to the bridge of both of those, and then they, you know, Grecian Formula Fourteen planet and and Rolling Ocean planet apparently is. Right is what they had, but yeah, what a what a what a dry, lifeless, and inaccurate synopsis. See, I don't think that this is a bad episode. I actually no. enjoy it. You know, it, it, it's not the greatest, but it's not bad. But the problem with this episode is that much like classic Trek before it, you know, every once in a while there'll be an episode that you know you you can watch. But then if you stop to think for a moment about certain elements of their technology, you'll go, shit, we've got the ability to do that. We've had that ability for 20 years now. Mm-hmm. How come these assholes can't send an email to let you know somebody on the bridge know what's going on? They've got to run 17 decks to deliver a message. You mean the- that type of thing. In this episode, you've got the problem of apparently there weren't such things as computer viruses in 1989 now that we deal with those on a daily basis it makes this episode seem very awkward and antiquated well, because i wrote down that's a note they're dealing with i wrote down a note before while i was watching it and then it, i was like watching it and i'm like i wrote down duh reinstall the os <laughs> and then i wrote down the the classic you know when you call up you know tech support and they said did you try restarting it and I wrote both of those down, and then like ten minutes later, it's like they're doing it, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> there you go, and it worked. How, how do you like that? Yeah, it's pretty funny. It, it it definitely is kind of ahead of its time, and that makes it that makes it kind of amusing and funny. But you had I was trying to think of it in the context of, you know, this was a new idea, you know, 
which right. that's a pretty good idea for a Star Trek show in 1989. Yeah. You know, and I thought the opener to this one was especially strong. I thought it was a nice action-packed, you know, classic come-in-with-a-bang Star Trek episode opener. Now, you would know the answer to this, Mr. Uh, movie Guy. Yeah, Are they using a handheld camera in the beginning of this? Because there is some wobbly and bad, yeah. bad, bad camera work in the opener. Did you notice that, too? Mm -hmm. It's like the camera is tilted. Uh, let me see. That would be tilted to the right because shit on the left-hand side of the screen is higher than than stuff on the right hand side of the screen. That that maybe they and might have been doing that to give really it a, awkward. a more of a sense of action or something or you know or tension you know something. It might have been a crappy decision on the. It looks like somebody directors. needed to run out to the Home Depot and just buy a level. Is what it looks <laughs> right, <like>. a tripod <laughs> or something. Yeah. Right. But no, I agree with you. Uh, I love the opener, and I especially like that for a change, shit blows up and actually hits the Enterprise. Uh, that's always bugged you me. You see the saucer bounce off yeah. the off the their force field, you know, off yeah. their their, their um, shields, and that's really cool. It is. It totally rattles the Enterprise. I love that. That's that's actually one of my favorite effects. So yeah, I like that a lot. That they they finally you know show debris smacking into the the ship or the shields or whatever it's supposed to be um one big complaint with this one though is when uh the romulan ship decloaks and there's that nice little tension filled um moment shit that just reminds me i totally meant to look up that actress that's playing the Romulan commander in yes. this because she really looks familiar. Yes, very familiar as yeah. a Romulan. I think she's been a Romulan in other Star Trek series in the future. Something. Yeah. yeah. So she's been something somewhere, and I just, I, I totally forgot to do that. But there's that great little tension-filled moment in everything, and Picard, I felt, has been making some real progress. It's It's been a long baby steps process, but I felt like he was finally going somewhere. And then the old ball-headed bastard regresses seriously all the way back to square one by calling for a mute on the sound system. Uh -huh. And then he goes, comments? And I'm thinking, what do you mean comments? Damn it, be a Kirk and make a friggin' decision. Why do you always have to call a conference to just make a, a simple decision? You know, it's, it's easy. You're either going to you know, capitulate to their demands, you're going to tell them to piss off and continue on your way. It, it, does this really require discussion? It, I, that makes me nuts. Either be the captain or get the hell out of the way and let Riker do it, you know? Oh, that drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. Speaking <sighs> of Riker, he has a great moment where I think he just bullshits Troy right off the bridge. She's being useless again, and she's like, "He's like, any suggestions? You know, because the people on the ship think they're gonna blow up at any minute now because they're all the systems are failing." And she's like, "We people need something to do." And he's like, "Well, let's get them prepared to evacuate, you know, and and that'll give them something to do." And and she's like, "Okay." And and she's like, do you think you're going to need me up here? He's like, no, you better go do that. And I think he was just basically being really nice, but telling her to just fuck off and leave him alone. <laughs> you know, I think he just very graciously and nicely got her out of his hair on the bridge. I thought that was, that was really nice. 
Now, see, I had interpreted that scene as basically what Riker wasn't saying, which was, I really need you to do this because I'm going to be worried about you if, if you stay, you know, this way I know you're preparing to leave the ship and, and survive if worse comes to worse. So that's how I originally oh. interpreted that. However, I like your explanation a whole hell of a lot better. Oh, thanks. The only problem is, is that now she's left the bridge and you just know that she's down there pestering somebody important like Jordy that's trying to keep shit all together and going, I can feel that you're feeling very anxious right now. And it's like, no shit, the ship's going to blow up any minute. You know, you know, that's what she's doing because that's what she always does. Yep. She's down talking to Dr. Plot. How does it feel to have somebody <laughs> almost kill your patient in the last episode? Are you upset by that? And she's just like, God damn it, there's 50 people in here right now. Anyway, um, one thing that I wanted to m mention at the very beginning of this episode, I noticed it said, I can't remember the other writer, but one of the writers that was listed as the main writers was Steve Gerber. And I thought... Do you think it really could be that Steve Gerber? And I did a little research, and it sure was. Of Howard the Duck fame. Dude, this this episode totally could have benefited from more Howard the Duck. That would have been cool if Howard the Duck did show up in it. I, I found it very, um, very free of any kind of, like, um, the, the sort of comedy or satire that Steve Gerber always seemed seem to do you know that's that's true one of his yeah. trademarks and and, it, and it's not in here this is a pretty straight up story but that's a pretty uh pretty good thinking by steve gerber is he pretty now it was him and a woman's name so i get the impression that he probably wrote the story handed it in and that was the woman's name was probably the staff writer who rewrote it and and tweaked it up into into canon, you know, into continuity and everything, and 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 to make it fit the time period and everything. But um, yeah, I I, I mean, I he really uh really anticipated viruses, but you know, I mean, he he didn't anticipate, you know, um, oh, uh, I haven't had a PC in so long. What what is the software you get to keep yourself from getting viruses? A firewall. Well, not a firewall, but like the the name of the. There's like one brand that's almost like, you know, like when people talk about soda and they'll just say Coke or something instead of meaning soda pop. Right. You know what I mean? There's like one company that does a virus search that I can never remember their name because I haven't used them in years. But you'd right. think they'd have some, you know, some virus search program on all their computers hitting every communication that they had and everything that they put in the computer. But I've seen some interesting stuff. I looked up that actress real quick, but I, I'm in the meantime, I've seen some interesting stuff. Supposedly, according to this, it says this is the first time we ever see a galaxy-class starship destroyed in Star Trek. And also, uh, this is the first time that uh, Picard uses the phrase T, Earl Grey Hot, which we would, that would, that's kind of goes down in history as almost like his... Uh, Shaken, not stirred. Shaken, not stirred, or you know, beam me up, Scotty type of thing. So that's that's very interesting. I had no idea that actress is um, Carolyn Seymour, and she played another Romulan commander, a different one, 
in uh, Face of the Enemy, which I don't even know what I, I remember the episode. I don't know what season that is. We won't get to that one for a long time. Feed me, Seymour. And she was other uh, other characters in other Star Trek series, but yeah, I, I don't know. She just looks incredibly familiar to me, but uh, I don't know. Not seeing anything here that uh, jumps out as you know me going, okay, yeah, that's what I know her from. It's just other odds and ends type of things that she's been in, but she definitely looks familiar. Um, let's see what else we got here. I felt especially proud of myself that uh, in the briefing scene right after the Amato is destroyed, you know, they're all together in the conference room and Picard wants to know, you know, how the hell did this happen? So Jordy's going through the explanation or anything. He's talking about how the force field or whatever the hell it was failed. You know, the Ramifrats broke down and the antimatter all came together and formed the explosion. I'm thinking, you know, according to Scotty in Star Trek, the motion picture, which is a whole hell of a lot smaller enterprise than the one that Picard's using. This antimatter thing, when that goes off, that's supposed to be just the mega bitch of explosions, right? It could like take out V'ger, you know? I mean, it's right. that massive. And I'm thinking, so this is a pretty pussy explosion, you know, if it's supposed to be that massive. Well, hopefully and I like in the future they found ways to dampen it maybe, you know, I don't know. They get around it because as soon as I had that thought, like two seconds later, there was a piece of dialogue saying something about how the computer, one of the fail safes is when this starts to happen, the computer starts to dump the antimatter. And was it was in the process of doing that when the ship blew up. So it made for like a, a lot smaller firecracker than it actually would have been if the full charge had been in there. I like that. I like that somebody was thinking about that. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? And that they came up with a workaround for why it wasn't, you know, a, a much larger deal than it actually was. Well, when they used to do publicity for Star Trek The Next Generation, they always used to talk about how they were, you know, always trying to keep up with science, you know, and, and right. base everything on science, which a lot of times you find out is bullshit when you see the shows. They they play fast and loose with science, but sometimes they do. They get it. They they do actually will think it through and and you know have have that that you know just sort of logic or you know science bibble babble talk actually make sense you know instead of just being a bunch of words that sound good strung together you know that sound right like they know what they're talking about but sometimes it actually means something uh let's see is it just me or do the rules of the neutral zone seem to be very fluid and loosey goosey? Yeah, they seem to be, you know, it's, it's hard to under, cause, cause it's like, um, it seems that when you're in a, you know, in, in the enterprise, you're like, Oh, we're not supposed to be in here. Cause there's, you know, the Romulans could, we could run into some Romulans. Well, I thought the whole thing with the neutral zone is nobody's supposed to be there. So right. If yes. You're, if you're if you're blunking around the neutral zone, that might want to be one of the few places where you wouldn't see Romulans because they're not supposed to be there. You know. So right. I don't. I yeah. I don't know. They you know they're very sheepish about it, and they and they do have a little standoff where they're like, "What are you doing here?" I could ask the same thing of you. What are you doing here? and you get the little Mexican standoff. But at the same time, yeah, it, it, it almost seems 
intimated that the Romulans have more business being there, you know? Right. Which they shouldn't at all. They should have as little business as the Federation does. Yeah, I, I had always thought that the deal was that if either side entered the neutral zone, that it was an act, act of, of war. war. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I failed to get the dynamic that was in play. Yeah, and, I, I, was... I didn't understand why Picard wasn't more pissed off that this guy was di dicking around in the, in the neutral zone and risking putting the whole Federation at <laughs> right. war because he wanted to go to Magrathia and and check it out you know right yeah i didn't i didn't quite get that picard picard was sort of picard did not i his character if it was consistent he's pretty by the rules sort of guy you'd think he would have been you know you could tell they were old buddies which is also good that was also a continuation of whenever kirk ran into somebody else another captain they were always old starfleet buddies you know unless they were old starfleet enemies Right, but there's always that you know you could tell those guys that they both were sort of mutual admiration society. But you'd think Picard would have been like, "What the hell were you thinking, you you idiot? Now your ship's gonna get blown up, and <laughs> and you know you could start a war." Right, and you got kids and stuff on. You know, you got families and kids on your your starship. It's not just a something for you to tool around in, but. He doesn't. He just sort of, you know, well, falls in line with "I'm going to help you out here." And a lot of times, you know, Star you'd think Starfleet would be more. I, this is just a general Star Trek, and especially in Next Generation, you know, I don't know how slow the the subspace communication is or whatever by the time Next Generation shows up, but you never have them go. What does Starfleet want us to do right now? You know, we're about to go into the neutral zone. Let's ask Starfleet what they think. You know, maybe they know something about a secret mission here or something. They, mm -hmm. they, they do it as if they're completely out of the loop, you know, and maybe they are. Maybe that's the story. But you would think there would be more, you know, paperwork that had to be filed with Starfleet. Right. More checking back and, and all. it would surely bog down the story, but... It would bog down the story just as much as their conference meetings bog down the story. So why not include Star Starfleet in that, you know? I do remember other episodes that do that, you know, where where they spend the whole episode nail-biting and, and fretting and worrying about, you know, are they going to get the okay from Starfleet right. for this for this thing that they did or is there going to be hell to pay later I can specifically and you remember think going into the neutral like zone that. would be like that would be one of those right. situations right yeah you know I mean and that could have been covered with with one little simple line of dialogue with just somebody like Riker looking at him and going you know it's our asses if we're wrong about this thing you know that that sort of thing but they never do it's just like okay well we're gonna go into the neutral zone now and it's like, wait, dude, five episodes ago, that was a big friggin' deal. What happened, you know? So, well, it's yeah, like an I, aircraft I, I, carrier down, like, in the Persian Gulf going, hey, you know, let's go about 500 miles that way in, <laughs> right. in front of Pakistan or whatever, you know, and, and park there for a little while and, and, and see what we can see, you know? It's just not going to happen, you know? <laughs> um, I really like Planet uh, Iconia, but... But let's call it what it really is, um, Planet Chips Ahoy. Does that planet not look like a big old chocolate chip cookie? 
It really did. It looked like somebody had enlarged and fuzzed up a chocolate mm -hmm. chip cookie and made a planet out of it. Which is very likely. I have. I remember hearing or reading a story at one time where, uh, where one of the guys, the whatever they call him behind the you know the special effects people behind the scenes, saw a dog turd and thought it looked really interesting oh, and no. turned that into one of the planets for Star Trek: The Next Generation. I don't know if there's any truth to that story, but that's a story I turned have heard before. Turned it into a Klingon head. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. Oh, here's the note I, I accidentally ascribed to the Dauphin. The part where Jordy's uh, getting zapped by the energy coming out of the, the control panel and Data grabs him to rescue him and then flings him halfway across uh, <laughs> the, the engineering. I, that was hysterical because after he throws him, he has that, that moment of, oh, oh, shit. You know, it's just a great little reaction, you know, a great little character. Jordy was... gets thrown around a lot in this episode because he has his <laughs> Jordy's wild um, elevator ride, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. Jordy's wild ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was waiting. I'm watching it and I'm like, when is he going up to the ceiling? Because he's hit every wall. Pretty soon he's got to go up to the Whoop, there he goes. Whoop, there it is. Uh, it would have been awesome for somebody to, to, you know, on the bridge, you know, cut scenes and somebody on the bridge goes to get in the turbo lift and there's just like a puddle of jelly on the floor in the in the turbo lift. With a visor in the middle of it. <laughs> Anybody seen Jordy? Uh, <laughs> what else we got? Um, he does a Kirk shoulder roll right onto the bridge, too. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. Oh, I loved the moment where... Picard and Riker have their, you know, I think it must have been something in, in somebody's contract with like every five episodes, they'd have to rehash the argument about you know whether Picard's allowed to beam down to the planet or not. Well, Picard, you know, plays the captain card in this episode and pretty much tells Riker, look, damn it, I'm beaming down to the to the planet. And they have their little argument there and everything. And for no good reason whatsoever, Picard just lays it on Riker well, I have to be the one to go. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to call Picard a pussy or anything, but could this have something to do with the fact that the friggin' ship's going to blow up? <laughs> exactly. Like a, you know, screw you assholes, I'm out of here type of maneuver. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll leave. Well, Riker sort of says something like, Riker's like, yeah, I get command of the ship when it's a piece of <laughs> shit, you know. When the, the goddamn thing doesn't work, then it's all mine. And he's going to the place with, with a million little doorways into other dimensions. Yeah, because he's like, wherever I'm going to go, I'll be safe. And it's just like, yeah, fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all of a sudden he's like, I'm an expert on the, on this planet and their archaeology. Really? Are you? Yeah, no time to argue. See you later, dude. <laughs> Dad left me the keys to the Enterprise and the friggin' alternator went up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but overall, despite the, uh, you know, and it, and it, and it's not really fair to criticize the episode for it because they can't help it when things become outdated. You know I mean? They can look as far ahead into the future as they possibly can, but nobody could have predicted, you know, the whole computer virus thing and all that and how kind of silly it seems now. So I guess that's not really a fair criticism, but it does kind of hurt the episode. But overall, I do think it it is a, it's still an entertaining one. 
Um, oh, yeah, especially but, since man, they have to it, reboot. You know, it's like, reboot, reboot, right. and hey, all right. It does have one goofy ending to it, though. With It's kind of like, you know, chucks all around at the end of it, you know, it, or yucks all around. It's kind of... I like when they're, yeah, they're yucks all around, but I like the shot when they're when they're pulling away from the planet over the shoulder of the ship. You can see that, like, the, um, you know, the, the bits of technology on the planet exploding. You can see the little right. explosions down in the on the cookie. Yeah, that is actually pretty cool. Um... I felt like I had one more thing. I don't have any. Uh, that's it for my notes. I thought I had one more thing, and now I've completely forgotten what it was. But uh, oh, I know what it was. It's just th- this is this is one that uh, for some reason just does not stick in my memory well because I always get this one confused with. There's another episode. I think we may have covered it already, where there's some sort of like time rift or something. Did, did we cover the one where where data is that the goes one where to data like and there's like three or four datas? I think we yeah have that yeah one. that one. I always get those ones confused because this is the one because it seems to me like the whole thing with the interdimensional doorway thing just comes out of left field in this story, doesn't it? It's like you're you're dealing with the whole computer virus thing, and then all of a sudden they're on this planet that has dimensional doorways. It I like just that, seems I like that stuff normal. in some way because it just is sort of there, and it right. doesn't tell you exactly what's going on, you know. Because they were like, maybe they escaped through here, and then Riker's like, yeah, it doesn't really look like they were set up to do that. And then you don't, you know, you think that's leading somewhere, but it really doesn't lead. It, it was just them speculating, <laughs> right. and then it's done, you know. And you'll right. never know because they blew the whole place up. Good move. At least the Romulans won't get the technology. It's like, what technology? Any of the technology that you get from that place is going to screw up your ship and just make you have to reset every 10 seconds. But that's all I got on this one. Do you have anything else? Hell no. All right. So... I'm eating chips, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what we got. Oh, we got we are really headed into some good good episodes. Well, I say that though, but then next time around we've got we've got a very 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 mixed bag next time around. We have got The Royale, which I like a lot. Isn't that a quarter pounder with cheese in France? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, this is a Big Mac, isn't it? Isn't that the or is it no, the No, Big Mac is the Big Mac. The Big Mac. And the other one is one that, uh, you know, I'll try to give it a fair shake, but I remember this to be just an utter shit episode <laughs> called Time Squared. So that could be a lot of fun. I always get a kick out of reviewing the, the crappy episodes. But, dude, we have got some really, really good episodes coming along. We got the Icarus Factor where uh, Riker's dad's going to come on board the ship. Pen Pals is a really good episode, which I'll have some uh, some major uh, things to rant and rave about. Q-Who samaritan snare dude we got some we got some really good episodes coming up and we've got a couple shit episodes coming up we got uh, up the long ladder which is crap uh what else we got we got some good ones you got the emissary up the long ladder sounds like an insult it's just like yeah why don't you put it up the long ladder you bastard <laughs> up your shaft i don't care what she says she can put it up the long ladder for all i care <laughs> But yeah, so uh, yeah, next time around we got the Royale and uh, and what the, whatever else I just said a minute ago. Long ladder, <laughs> I hardly even know her. 
Do you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to twotruefreaks.libson.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it, which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available... Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids, good night. We're off? Good, well that ought to hold the little bastards.